Trying to see how I look, yeah. You look great. Awesome. <laughs> oh, all right. Woo! The wheels keep turning. Good morning. This is Babs Rolls Ivy. And hey, this is the second hour of my three hour day here. This is Love Babs Love Talk, the talking part. And today my guest is Ron W. Thomas from CCM. He is the deputy director of the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities. So today I thought, and, and he's my dear friend, like my best friend. Like my love friend. So we're going to talk. So I got him here. I'm so excited to have him here because he's not going to talk to me forever after <laughs> this. But we're going to talk about all things um, state government, legislative stuff. Thank you, Harry, for producing again. Um, so hi, Ron Thomas. Hello, Babs. How are you? I'm great. How about you? <laughs> I'm good. 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 All right. So we're here in Connecticut. Yes. We're in some trouble. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that, that's a kind way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, tell me about what kind of trouble are we in? Well, I mean, obviously the state is facing a big deficit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a huge deficit, about um, $400 million for this fiscal year, the year that ends uh, next month, and then an additional $2.2 billion for the next fiscal year. So it's pretty huge. So uh, there are a lot of to- tough uh, choices that need to be made up at the state capitol, yeah. So how does CCM help facilitate these conversations, or what do you do? What do you right. do? Well, let's start with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm CCM, the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities. It's the Association of Towns and Cities in the state. We represent uh, towns and cities and taxpayers, property taxpayers, uh, before the uh, General Assembly, uh, in the courts, and nationally at the Congress through the National League of Cities. So uh, anything that's involving towns and cities, we're involved with. We're trying to... Uh, lower people's property taxes, or at least uh, uh, keep a cap on property taxes, if you will, um, you know, pro- help provide services like schools, roads, uh, uh, things along those lines. So anything a town does, we're concerned about. Yeah. So when you talk to your members, what do they say about this, this current fiscal situation? What are they saying to you? Well, they're very, very, very concerned. Perhaps, you know, I've been doing this for quite a few years, yes. as, as you know. And I don't think there's ever been a uh, situation like this. And there's a lot of uh, uncertainty uh, on the local level uh, because uh, we're not uh, sure what towns and cities are going to face for the next fiscal year. They're not even sure how to set their mill rate to determine what the taxes are going to be for the next year. Uh, Right now you have uh, the governor, uh, the Republicans, and the Democrats uh, in the General Assembly have their own uh, budget proposals and with uh, less than a month left in the session, there's still uh, competing uh, budget proposals. And um, all of them, uh, you know, have the certain uh, pros and cons associated with them. But towns just need to know exactly what they're facing so that they can plan for it and so that they can tell their taxpayers what to expect for next year. Now, do you all go forward with some kind of recommendation from the cities and towns saying, listen, th- this is where we see... Right this can be relieved or alleviated or handled. Do you do that? Right, of course, yeah. I mean, as a matter of fact, what we did, we saw, we saw kind of trouble on the horizon. So last year, uh, at about this time, uh, the board of directors said, let's do some planning, let's be proactive, let's think about what we might need to do for the next fiscal year. So uh, the board of directors developed a, a state-local partnership panel. It's comprised of about 21 
municipal CEOs throughout the state from every corner of the state, Democrat, Republican, Independent. They met for several months and in January came up with a report uh, on how to proceed, how best to uh, bring the state forward as well as help out property taxpayers. And basically the report focused on three things to help municipalities and property taxpayers. Uh, One is that there be some measure of cost containment, you know, looking into unfunded state mandates and unfunded state mandates are when the state says that you should do something, but they don't give you the financial wherewithal <laughs> with which to do it. And yeah. they're, they're like over 2,000 of those really? on the books. Yeah, it, it's pretty extensive. And then uh, some um, uh, uh, ways to kind of prohibit um, town, ways to look into um, uh, being able to uh, have more regional services, more shared services. So right now, towns that do want to work together, there's certain things that are that the state does that kind of prohibits them from being able to work together. So let's look at that. And then the third issue that they wanted to look into was revenue diversification, allowing towns to be able to raise some revenue outside of the property tax. Okay. Um, and I, I know that's been a... When I was a legislative here in New Haven, that was uh, one of the topics of conversations around um, generating revenue. How can we, outside of property taxes, get some of, get money into our city? Exactly. I mean, like uh, there are about uh, 40 states that allow towns and cities to raise revenue outside of the property tax. And we don't need to go into how onerous the property tax is and how uh, this uh, uh, state perhaps more than any other state, is over-reliant on it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so it would allow towns to be able to receive a portion of the sales tax. Okay. And, again, uh, the vast majority of other states allow cities and towns to be able to, to do things like um, a piggyback on the sales tax, have a, an income tax, piggyback on the income tax, uh, you know, have some sort of a restaurant tax, rental car tax, that sort of thing. So that you're not uh, totally dependent on the property tax. And you're kind of also uh, allowing people who visit your your town to be able to, uh, you know, make a contribution to it otherwise. Uh, that sounds like that would be successful in the larger cities and towns, like larger cities, like, like a New Haven, um, maybe a Hartford, maybe New London, Bridgeport, places where there's some draw for lots of people to want to come I don't know about the small cities and towns, how they would sort of feel about that. Well, the thing about this report is that it, the beauty of it is that it looks into the large cities and, you know, I'm a New Havener like you and, and concerned about uh, New Haven's welfare as well as uh, Hartford and Bridgeport, Waterbury. But it also helps out some of the poor uh, struggling communities like Sprague, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. because what it does is it allows towns to receive a portion of the sales tax. And uh, within that portion, there's a formula. A portion of it would go to uh, a funding pilot, that payment in lieu of taxes, Mm -hmm. uh, whereby uh, the state tells uh, towns that you cannot tax a certain portion of of your um, of the uh, population of a city, like colleges and hospitals, state property, (laughs) and that sort of thing. But look at New Haven, though. New Haven is unbelievably rich in university, hospital kinds of nonprofits. Yeah, in, in New Haven, you know, more than 50% of the property is off the tax rolls. The same with Hartford. So then the state is devised, since the state has said that there are over um, 77 entities, they cannot be assessed a property tax, right? So when that happened, the, um, the state said, look, we're going to reimburse you for a portion. The state has never lived up to its obligation. I mean, like they only give towns about 
half of what they said that they were going to give towns. So uh, this would hike that up, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, but th there would also be part of the formula that would allow uh, there to be a, a contribution to, to towns that would be uh, along the lines of a formula called the uh, LOSIP formula. So that formula really is geared toward uh, some of the smaller communities. So it's a win-win situation for everybody. And like I said, about 40 other states allow uh, towns to be able to go outside the property tax uh, in terms of raising revenue. So do y'all, are y'all being well received by legislative body? And does the governor listen to y'all? Well, you know, the, the, the governor, the governor uh, was a uh, former mayor, as mm -hmm. you may know, the, the mayor of Stanford. So he definitely understands the issue. And I, I think we've been making progress. The conversation is still going mm -hmm. uh, and we're still pushing very, very hard. Uh, we think even during um, a time like this, uh, it, it could happen and it should happen during a time like this, that there should be an ability of towns to be able to step outside of the property tax. So we're still making our case. And I think a lot of people are, are, are still listening. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I know CCM does a great many things, what you just talked about. Mm. But I also know that at least when I was on the Board of Aldermen, mm. you all hosted um, opportunities to train us or right. to give us additional support around being good and um, thoughtful legislators. Right, right. We do a lot of professional <laughs> development. Uh, we, we put on the biggest uh, convention in, uh, of municipal officials in New England. Uh, it's in uh, November, a two-day convention. We just started doing two days uh, this past uh, year. Uh, we do a variety of professional development uh, trainings uh, uh, in various uh, sites throughout the state uh, for CCM members. There are 165 100, of 169 towns are members, and the training is free, and it uh, it could be on a variety of things from uh, parliamentary procedure, FOI, freedom of information, mm -hmm. uh, to ethics, to how to uh, the latest laws uh, concerning zoning or labor. Uh, it varies, but yeah, we do training uh, uh, every every week, a few times a, a week. Yeah, and I took the FOIA, which was quite illuminating. Yeah, and I, I learned so much about Freedom of Information Act that I still. Which I still retain. Yeah. Like, I just didn't, I didn't lose it. Ten years later, I didn't lose it. Well, well, you know, we think it's important to have uh, municipal officials who are informed, uh, uh, you know, so that they can be better public servants. And a lot of municipal officials take advantage of it. We have a training for a whole day training for uh, newly elected officials mm -hmm. uh, where we uh, to kind of tell them about the basics of uh, local government. We have a panel of uh, seasoned experts to talk to them about what to what to expect. And uh, it's been well received over the years. So every other year after the uh, municipal elections, we have that that training. I think there are about like three trainings uh, throughout the state. So you're a lobbyist. Yes, um, I, I wear that uh, a lobbyist badge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's so part of what I talk, do. Yeah. Talk, because there's a lot of conversation nationally about lobbyists and lobbying. What do you think people get wrong about about that whole thought around lobbyists? Well, I mean, again, I, uh, a lot of people think that if you're a lobbyist, then you're wearing the eight hundred dollar uh, shoes and you know the five thousand dollar suit and that sort of thing. I'm sure there are those lobbyists. I'm just not one of those. <laughs> so uh, they, they have lobbyists uh, that represent a variety of interest, everything from um, obviously towns and cities, the business industry, but they also have 
uh, people representing the social services. There's a, um, a cancer society representative uh, uh, up at the state capitol. So there, I, I believe that there are like several uh, hundred registered lobbyists in the state. Now, there might be fewer people who are there every day, but uh, uh, there are a variety of uh, lobbyists that represent a variety of interests. And the thing about it is, is that it allows people to kind of um, channel uh, their their interest and passions through a particular uh, organization or individual and have that person uh, represent uh, their interest up at the state capitol. So I, I think they're an important part of what, what happens, or at least important, an important part of the equation. Um, and, um, you know, they present their case to uh, legislators mm-hmm. and uh, legislators, um, you know, make their own opinions. Because we as regular people, um, it's hard to get up there and do your own one-on-one lobbying. And so it is a nice idea to sort of have somebody represent your interest right. collectively and then send them up there and, and let them do the talking and the, and, uh, and the sharing of information with the, with the legislature. Right. Well, plus, I tell you, nowadays, like when I started, uh, you know, umpteen years ago, it was very different. <laughs> Actually, it's even before uh, the Internet, uh, or at least uh, the Internet wasn't uh, what it is now. But, but nowadays, a person can really follow what happens up at the Capitol very well, uh, him or herself. I mean, they can go to uh, cgact.gov mm-hmm. and go on that website, be able to uh, look at bills that are being discussed, be able to see who's uh, testified on it, look at that testimony, uh, see a transcript, um, watch the House and the Senate live like uh, like now. The, the House is probably in right now as we speak. You can go on that website and go to CTN, click on CTN, and uh, be able to, which is the Connecticut uh, uh, television network that belongs, that's kind of an, an arm of the uh, General Assembly, but you can see gavel-to-gavel coverage of the House and the Senate. So it's a lot easier for the average person to be able to follow things. But it's still important to have uh, you know lobbyists up there uh, all the time. We, we especially think it's important for um, property taxpayers to have um, someone up at the state capitol really looking out for their interest there uh, throughout the day. So how much attention do you pay to what's happening on the national level? Well, we pay a lot of attention. You know, as I said, we we um, we really work through the National League of Cities and through our own delegation. We have a good relationship with our congressional delegation. We just um, went down to D.C. in March and and uh, met with them, a delegation of uh, municipal officials. But you know, we, we talked about um, some concerns that we have with the uh, president uh, President Trump's uh, budget as it relates to towns and cities as in. Um, the CDBG, uh, the Community Development Block Grant, um, the president's proposal would uh, eliminate that funding, which is a huge deal to places like New Haven, because not only does it, you know, uh, fund a variety, help fund a variety of nonprofits, it's actually cheaper for uh, New Haven because the city doesn't have to provide those services. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and it's, you know, it's funding for like uh, low income housing, a variety of things that, um, that are uh, services that are important to the city. So if that fund is eliminated, it's a huge thing for towns and cities. So we've uh, expressed our concern about that. And um, we hope that there'll be progress made on that front. So how did you get here, Ron Thomas? Tell me your story a little bit. Like how, how I got to Connecticut? Yeah, how did you get to Connecticut? I yeah. know the story. Yeah, but. you know the story very well. <laughs> yeah, I'm originally from Kansas City, Missouri, and um, I, I came here and worked in Hartford with the um, mayor of uh, Hartford from that time, and uh, I was a National Urban Fellow, and I liked 
Connecticut, so I stayed here. So I, I never, I never went back to Missouri, and uh, uh, you know, that's kind of, uh, and you know, not long after, I uh, found myself at CCM, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, thought it was a great place with the great people and a great location like New Haven. So uh, I've stayed there, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you've been there. Yeah, I've held a variety of positions at, yes. uh, at uh, uh, CCM, you know, uh, from a legislative assistant uh, to now deputy director. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So now you've had other, other. Um, I mean, you've extended your reach here in New Haven. You've been on a couple of boards and you work in other capacities doing other things. You want to talk a little bit about yeah, I mean, I used to uh, be serve on the airport authority, the um, uh, New Haven. Um, I think it was the Equal Opportunity Commission. Commission on Equal yeah, we Opportunity. Both, we both served yeah. on that at, at one time, but you know, there's some state commissions, that sort of thing. The mm-hmm. Advisory Commission on Intergovernmental Relations. I, I serve on that, and that's a, a commission compri- comprised of um, a state agencies, state legislators, municipal officials, and and others. I represent um, CCM on on that commission. So, and what that commission does is, um, you know, tries to strengthen the state local uh, relationship looking into ways that could help uh, towns and cities operate better. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's got uh, some pretty interesting things in the, its future. It's kind of been, been uh, reinvigorated. So I think it's going to be uh, uh, kind of uh, an organization, an entity that's going to be uh, heard from uh, in the near future. If you just tuned in, I'm Babs Rolls Ivy, and I'm sitting here talking with my good friend, Ronald Thomas, who is <laughs> the deputy director of the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities. And we're talking politics here in Connecticut and the budget and all these kinds of things. Um, so are you still a member of the black public administrators association? Uh, yes, I'm a financial member. I have not gone, <laughs> I've not been able to go to the, uh, to the conference because the conference is always during the uh, legislative session. Mm-hmm. It's like in, um, in late April. So no, I've not been in maybe like five or six years, but and what I'm, still, sort of things I'm, still do they a, do? I'm still a member though. But yeah. what I mean, I think I was a member for like a hot minute yeah. and then, yeah, what they do is uh, they they provide different sorts of trainings for uh, black uh, public administrators. They they have a mentor uh, mentee program mm-hmm. for young people entering into the field. Uh, at the at the uh, convention, they have a variety of workshops and seminars uh, on a variety of hot topics, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's it's kind of and it's also an opportunity for networking. Uh, finding out about new opportunities, job opportunities, and and that sort of thing. It's a great organization. I just can't um, go to the convention. I just haven't <laughs> been able to go for a long time. Yeah, so they, you go they, to, they need to start having it over the summer. I think you make that case. Yeah, where did you go to college? Well, I went to undergrad at Virginia State, mm-hmm. uh, Virginia State University in Petersburg. It's a historically black it's college. A, it's HBCU. I think yes. we're both HBCU graduates. Yay. Yes. And then uh, I went to graduate school. We both went to graduate school at the same place, uh, uh, Bernard and Baruch uh, in uh, New York City, mm-hmm. uh, master's in public administration. We were, we were both uh, National Urban Fellows. And so, yeah, so that's... I'm not even going to tell people how long it took him to get me to go do the Urban Fellows program. I won't, I'll well, leave that out. Well, I won't even say how long it was that I went. But, uh, you know, suffi- but you were young when you went. Suffice it to say you were that very it was young. kind of at the beginning when uh, Edison was uh, doing the light thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when you all, when, when you're at CCM and you all are preparing to sort of have these conversations with your members about um, what to do or how to prepare for this, for these budget for this budget stuff mm. um 
do people feel like there's some blame to be laid anywhere or do they just like, okay, we're not even going to get into the blame game, how we got here. We just have to figure out how to not stay here. Well, let, let me uh, paint a picture. I mean, for most uh, cities and towns, they, you know, they have a process that they have to go through that's in their, uh, their, their ordinance that, you know, you have to have, you have to start the budget process, the local budget process at this time. You have to have hearings at this time. Uh, that the board of selectmen or the council has to uh, vote in a, uh, on the budget at this point. I mean, all of this uh, uh, is in uh, their uh, local ordinance, a- and then you're kind of thrown this curveball by um, the general assembly, where they're talking about either making huge cuts, uh, tremendous cuts to uh, the towns and cities, uh, or they're talking about um, shifting the the uh, cost uh, for different. Uh, programs and that sort of thing so and then uh, in addition to that the legislature is um, likely not going to uh, be able to complete their work on time they're supposed to adjourn on uh, june 7th Mm. and uh, it it looks like i think a lot of people think it's pretty uh, obvious that they're not going to meet that uh, deadline and so then you're you're stuck trying to figure out what to do for for the citizens of your community so there's there's a lot of anxiety there one of the um, situations that um, created some anxiety is a proposal that would require um, towns to uh, pay into the teacher's retirement system, which they've never never paid in uh, before. And uh, so it's kind of like the municipal officials feel that they're being told to pay into something that they've not been involved in for over decades. But now wow. they have to assume the uh, liability that's expected to mushroom in the past, in the next uh, six years, uh, so there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, wanting to kind of really figure out what's going to happen, and that's why um, the report that we did is so important because it shows a way forward. This is a way to really deal with some of the problems. It's not a it's not a panacea. It's not going to solve everything, mm-hmm. but it does help out. Uh, I think in a in a masterful way, I might say, helping out the uh, the cities, the struggling cities like New Haven and Hartford but also helping out the struggling communities, like I said, the small towns like Sprague, but, but also the, the towns that are kind of following behind Hartford. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's right now it's the big cities that are in trouble, but the current system is going to bring a lot more communities to that cliff. And, and this uh, uh, initiative that we have, uh, this set of proposals, will, will uh, keep them from falling off that cliff. Wow. Yeah. So do you find that... Um our our legislative gets along well, Democrats and Republicans. I mean, do you do you get the sense that there's less posturing in Connecticut and more sort of let's roll up our sleeves and handle this together? I mean, do you see that, or can you answer that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I can't um, I can't compare Connecticut to you know Montana or something like that. But I tell you, um, you know, frankly, what I hear from my uh, colleagues with other uh, state municipal leagues. It's not uncommon to have uh, uh, there being be friction between the two parties, uh, but but I believe that uh, you know sometimes a, a crisis can present uh, some real opportunities, mm-hmm. and uh, wherein you might not have um, uh, been able to see yourself working very very closely. Uh, when your back is to the wall, it kind of sometimes makes you uh, uh, you know find ways to work together when you otherwise wouldn't have. So that's my hope uh, that'll come from this, but because something's got to got to happen and uh, there's got to be some sort of um uh, not only way to uh, keep the state uh, afloat 
but to keep our towns and cities afloat. Again, we believe that uh, the towns and cities are really the engine as well as the heart and soul of the state. So was it a surprise when you found out that the governor was not going to uh, run for re-election? Well, uh, for me, uh, I, I could have seen it go either way. You know, some, you know, you do have some governors who decide to run for three terms mm-hmm. uh, and some who decide to uh, look into other opportunities after uh, two terms. So I, I kind of uh, could see him uh, going uh, either way, frankly. Do you all pay attention to the cast of characters who are going to throw their hat in the ring for governor? Like, Do you pay attention to that and do you have any influence there? Well, no. You know, what we do when it comes to uh, state elections is that we we try to get people to focus on uh, municipal issues, the candidates to focus on municipal issues, as well as the candidates for the House of Representatives and the state to focus on um, quality of life issues for towns and cities, focus on things like uh, property (laughs) tax reform, as well as I should say, you know, uh, we're the leading um, proponent of education uh, reform towns receiving uh, additional education aid that sort of thing you know Um, so we focus on trying to get legislators and candidates for governor to really focus on uh, you know quality of life issues and again we think those quality of life issues are the issues that uh, businesses focus on when they decide to either come to Connecticut or, re- or decide whether they're going to stay in Connecticut. So they want to look into, excuse me, they want to look into things like whether they're quality schools, yeah. uh, the roads, uh, mm-hmm. things along those lines that 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 are really uh, municipal issues. Do you all have a, an opinion on the charter school conversations that we've been having in the state? Well, you know, again, you know, t- towns are, are basically focusing. Uh, we're you know, our responsibilities regarding the, the public schools and uh, uh, we want to ensure that at least they receive the, um, the the proper funding. You know, the with regard to the uh, ECS formula, which is the major grant regarding uh, public education aid uh, from uh, from the state to towns and cities, it's underfunded by six hundred million dollars. Now, uh, the, this governor and this general assembly, they've been uh, great in terms of increasing uh, aid to uh, to towns and cities but over the past several years but it's still uh, underfunded by about 600 million dollars and we think that has to uh, be given great uh, consideration as you know there is a you may know there's a case uh, from uh, by a coalition of uh, uh, parents and municipalities uh, that uh, took uh, the state to court uh, mm-hmm. saying it's the CDF case the Connecticut uh, Justice and Education Fairness, I think it's called, um, a case uh, that said that um, the current system is uh, inequitable and um, and and obviously, uh, as you may know, towns and cities, uh, uh, the plaintiffs won that case. And um, we uh, think that uh, that case says that there needs to be some real investment in public education, and we still think that that, that uh, really needs to be a focus. So... Do you have conversation with the business community and what they think quality of life issues are? And and is Connecticut an attractive place for businesses to come and set up shop? Yeah, we, we have a good relationship with the business community. I, as we tell the uh, business community, and they know this, uh, uh, the property tax is the uh, highest tax that businesses pay. So it's not just a burden on residents. It's not just a burden on people who own homes and people who have cars and that sort of thing, but it's also the biggest tax that businesses pay. So 
to me, if you deal with the property tax, you're dealing with um, economic development for uh, of the state and making it more attractive to businesses. And again, we want to try to uh, uh, encourage businesses to come here as well as ensure that those that are here stay here. And we think uh, dealing with the property tax is the way to do that. So what is your conversations like um, at the National League of Cities level? Like what are what are you hearing um, from other cities and towns that might be comparable to cities and towns in Connecticut? Well, well, number one, I mean, Connecticut is kind of different in that, as I said before, um, you know, most other cities have uh, some other way of of raising uh, revenue. So they have a a broad uh, variety of uh, of funding sources or ways that they could uh, raise money to pay for pay for services. So, but some of the similarities are, you know, a a concern about uh, maintaining um, businesses in the community, a concern about uh, quality schools, uh, a concern about, um, you know, at least on on the national level, uh, making sure that uh, there are no uh, harmful uh, cuts to, um, to uh, aid to towns and cities, uh, you know, in terms of education aid, special education aid, public safety aid, you know, since uh, 9-11, towns and cities have had to uh, increase uh, uh, funds toward uh, a public safety effort. So we want to make sure that that uh, assistance that's coming from uh, the state uh, and the federal government continue to uh, to come to towns. You know, Connecticut is one of those uh, donor states that we give more money to the federal government than we, than we <laughs> get back. And part of that has to do with us being um, a wealthy state overall. But um, we want to make sure that uh, that uh, towns and cities are getting their fair share from the federal government. So what's the best thing about your job? Well, I guess the best thing about the job is to, uh, I would say, kind of, um, it, it is interesting to kind of know about what's going on at the state capitol, uh, to be uh, of service to uh, people who are being of service to people in the community, I find that interesting and uh, fun. Yeah. And what's the most challenging thing about the job? Like, what what gives you pause? Well, I mean, some some things like uh, it, it can be <laughs> where if it's uh, like uh, you're you're at the state capitol very late. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> then, but, oh my God, yes. <laughs> but 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 you do miss it uh, later on, like. Like uh, perhaps by um, if the session would say end in uh, May or June, by August you're like kind of beginning to miss it. So really, yeah, <laughs> I think I think the people who are there are basically junkies. Both um, the people who serve as lobbyists, staff, and legislators they they kind of like it. They will, I believe, they're the type who will watch, you know, um, actions on TV, cable mm-hmm. access, and that sort of thing uh, on weekends when they're coming. Other people perhaps are watching. Uh, some other shows they're they're watching cable access with the, some committee meeting. Now, are are you a political junkie? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I do. I, mean, I know that, but yes, yeah, I know you know. I know. So, you what know. do you do for fun? Like, what are you what are you reading these days? Who are you reading these days? Well, I have to say, you know, I haven't had much time for. Unlike you, I know you make sure that you have time for for reading books, but I haven't um, really read many books lately. I think the last book uh, that I read was. Um, the a biography of Malcolm X. Okay, uh, but uh, but I, so I, every day I, I'm one of those people who reads uh, um, you know several newspapers, and I mm-hmm. try to stay up for for my work as well as for my interest on current events and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing, and be able to you know there are a variety of um, 
uh, newspapers and blogs here in the, in the state that deal with the state capitol. So I uh, make it my business to try to stay on top of things like that, which uh, takes a, a lot of my time too. <laughs> yeah. So when you think about um, when you think about what you're going to do, um, do you think beyond this job? Do you, are you thinking beyond this job? Do you think, oh well, you know, there's there's some other thing that I like to do, or uh, I'm not trying to talk you out of your job. <laughs> are you telling me something <laughs> I don't know? Uh, <laughs> like, do you have a, a uh, do you have a a, a, a taste for election to be elected to office do you i mean do you well i think you know this story that, that, that when i was uh, younger i thought about it but then i the um situation of working with the mayor uh, helped me to appreciate <laughs> that i'd like to be uh in the area but not uh you know at, on the pitcher's mound so so no I, I don't have any interest in that and uh, uh right now I, I like being at ccm it's a um it's a great place with the great people, and it gives you a sense of uh, purpose and uh, that you're really doing something to help out the communities. Like I said, the um, one of the great things about CCM is that it does have a, a huge focus and passion on our struggling cities and towns. Uh, again, not just the big cities, but also in, in eastern Connecticut, you have a lot of uh, small communities that are really uh, struggling. And uh, we also want to make it so that the cities that are doing well continue to do well because mm-hmm. they can they are the engine like those fairfield county towns are the lower lower fairfield county towns are like the financial engine for for the state so we want to make sure that they're doing uh, very well because everybody benefits from them doing well now are you all the only membership lobbying entity in the state like who else does what y'all do well no one does what we do we're, we're the only organization that represents towns as small as Basra to uh, Bridgeport mm-hmm. again we represent 165 uh, towns out of 169 towns so there's no entity like us however there are organizations there's an organization that uh, um, represents the interest of uh, small towns I think they uh, towns under a population of 20,000 or something like that they uh, various municipal um, uh, uh, interest have uh, municipal uh, uh, department heads have their own um, lobbying organizations like they uh, the assessors have their own association zoning uh, directors that sort of thing so they all um, uh, have their own legislative agendas and that sort of thing however they have their own agendas but they do uh, we work with them and we try to um, help ensure they get what they need as well as help, uh, we kind of look at things from a broader perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not just looking at, say, what's of um, interest to the uh, health department, but what's of interest to to the uh, the overall community. So, but we work in concert very closely with those uh, municipal associations. So now, do you all set a yearly agenda in terms of what you're going to focus on based on what you hear from cities and towns, or do you just say? Um, here's our agenda and everybody has to fit into it. <laughs> no, no. I know you don't, I know you yeah, don't do no, that. It's a very, <laughs> very democratic, a democratic <laughs> process. Yeah, we, it's a democratic process and it takes uh, several months. It starts in, it practically starts after the session ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts in about uh, July. We send out a survey to our members. Again, 165 uh, towns. We send a survey out to them. And then those uh, legislative suggestions uh, go to various uh, committees. We have about ten policy committees. Those, those uh, policy committees um, uh, make determinations about which proposals uh, should they, that they recommend be included in the agenda, and then those proposals go to our, our legislative committee, which is like a committee of the whole, 
and uh, then they determine what's finally going to be in the package. So it's it's a long, uh, well thought out process, and it's it's long enough where it allows any town to have a contribution, mm-hmm. but it also um, is uh, long enough to make sure that that we're thinking about things that uh, may come up at the last minute. Also, but, I find now that I find interesting that you you will hear from these hundred and sixty some odd um, members. And they'll say, this is what I need to focus on. And then you all are charged with sort of pulling that together and figuring out, okay, how many, how many of these cities and towns have these same concerns and then right. group that maybe right. or. Right. Well, the, well, the thing about it is, is that you'd be surprised at, uh, at what uh, towns have in common, you know, mm-hmm. what, what, again, a Bridgeport and a Basra have in common. Number one is that they, they, uh, uh, whether you're small or large, they want to make sure that uh, you know that they're quality schools, and that the, there's a that the state meet its obligation. Um, maybe about 30 years ago, it may be beyond 30 years ago, the state um, came up with an equation where they said that they would pay. There would be an agreement for the state to pay uh, 50% of all uh, local education costs, and the state hasn't met that obligation yet. But but uh, the every town wants the, the state to make progress toward meeting that goal. Every town wants to, uh, you know, ensure that uh, roads are safe. Mm-hmm. Every every town wants to ensure that the communities are safe uh, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, police and fire, that sort of thing. And every town wants to make sure that um, that there aren't uh, what we call unfunded state mandates. Uh, and what I say by unfunded state mandates is that, you know, again, the state saying you've got to do this, but we're not going to give you the money to do it. Again, you know, CCM doesn't take issue with the whether the the proposal is good or not, but uh, whether uh, a town like um, New Haven can afford to do it when it's got so many other uh, obligations. So you would uh, be surprised at how much we have in common, the towns have in common. See, that's a good point, because I don't think that comes across to the larger public, how 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 connected we all are or how shared destiny we all are. Like I always get the sense that there's this cities versus towns thinking, right? right you know, like right. New Haven is, you know, the big city right. and that could, does not have anything remotely in common with, right. you know, a small town. No, I, you know, every, every town uh, is involved in the state is involved in what they call a council of government. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, so the state is divided into nine regions and um, and those nine regions uh, have their own, again, council of government. And, and it's uh, the, the board consists of municipal CEOs like here in New Haven, there's the South Central uh, Council of Government. So I think there may be about maybe 20 towns or something like that that are in this uh this uh, entity, and they meet monthly, talk about issues of concern uh, to the um, to the to this area, and uh, I, I, I've gone to many of those meetings. Uh, they and, and I have to say, I've gone to probably at least once a cog meeting in every part of the state, uh, and uh, the people get along very very well, and they're talking about issues of concern uh, to that uh, town, and they're also, I mean, to that uh, area, and they're also, um, really finding ways to work together. There, there's a lot of things that towns are doing under the radar that uh, kind of don't have a lot of, uh, 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 they haven't really been picked up. There's not a spotlight on them. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of hear about the differences, but I tell you in the South Central, um, COG, I, I, you know, the Mayor Harp and, uh, uh, the other 
members get along uh, very, very well. Hmm. Yeah. So that that would be useful to to help people sort of understand um, that uh, there is a shared destiny rather than this us them sort of mentality that seems to happen. Yeah, I think I think the people what I've seen in the, the cog is that they are aware of the challenges facing a place like New Haven. Mm-hmm. Again, like I said, I mean, I don't need to tell um, your listeners or anybody who lives in New Haven about the challenges that New Haven uh, faces. Again, when you've got um, uh, more than half of the property in the city that's off the tax rolls, uh, you're, you're taking on the lion's share of um, of um, you know kind of um, social service uh, responsibilities, that type of thing. And that, while it's great to have um, these entities like private colleges and hospitals and state property and nonprofits in in your community, they 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 do uh, have an impact on your ability to provide. It's a price. I mean, there's a price to be paid to have the and we and and you know. And I was joking with Paul Bass a couple of weeks ago. I was like, you know, New Haven is very nonprofit rich. Like we have more nonprofits than most people have whorehouses, right? Like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, sorry. Or places of ill repute. Um, there's a you could bump into a nonprofit every ten feet, easy. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. I mean, you know, uh, again, it. I I, I think it's uh, would be unfortunate if if it became like a, um, you know, uh, us versus them with with towns and nonprofits. Both entities are doing a lot of good, mm-hmm. and uh, I I would dare say that uh, New Haven or and even the region. Wouldn't be the same without those nonprofits being in uh, New Haven. Oh, I agree. However, I agree. However, there there is an impact, and uh, what we hope to do is get to the point where um, there's a, a state recognition of the impact that these nonprofits are having on uh, places like uh, New Haven, and that they consider some kind of um, payment in lieu of taxes for those nonprofits, or finding some way to. Uh, assess those nonprofits in a, in a fair and reasonable way. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I but I, I do think that there is a, a greater state role that should be played. And I think the real uh, effort should be on finding some sort of uh, payment in lieu of taxes, whereby the state reimburses towns for uh, a certain amount for those nonprofits in the community. Wow. Yeah. This has been a rich conversation around town. Yeah, it sure has. Sure I, has. I mean, well, so we talk all the time. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little different than this. <laughs> so this has been really nice. So um, so what are you going to do on your downtime? Are you going anywhere? Well, again, uh, downtime is kind of relative. Uh, again, we it, it looks like they're not going to reach a budget uh, decision by So that means the session extends or goes into special session? Yeah. So you're hanging around him. I know all the yeah, language. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> so they go into special session. And so... So you're uh, hostage uh, a so, little bit. Yeah, so it depends. So, I mean, hopefully... Uh, you know, uh, you know the 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 budget, the new budget uh, year begins in July. So hopefully they could get something done by the end of the year. Some not the end of the year, the end of the fiscal year, meaning the end of June. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people believe that it, that it won't happen then, and it might uh, go into <sighs> later summer. And some are even predicting, and uh, it won't. Uh, there won't be a budget passed until the fall at some point. So. Oh, you know, so can we, we do that constitutionally? Yeah, they they can do it. Yeah, okay. The, the legislature can pretty much do what they want to do, uh, but uh, again, uh, that kind of leaves us, uh, the people who, um, who who are lobbyists, as well as municipal CEOs, uh, mayors, and first selectmen, and town managers, kind of in limbo, trying to figure out exactly what's going to be the end result uh, for them and uh, property taxpayers. Hmm. 
Well, I so appreciate you coming to do this. I don't know if I'll get you back. <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy to come back. <laughs> oh, so you yeah. said that, and yeah. it's recorded. And, and it's recorded. You got it. You got You got <laughs> you a witness, witness over there. Yeah. See, Harry? See, yeah, he's, Harry, he's coming back. Harry's writing well, it down. Well, I, I, I want sure you to come it. back because I want to hear how this all plays out. Yeah, yeah. And I think this was a good conversation. And I think, um, I think people learned a lot just by hearing this conversation today yeah i mean if and if people want to learn more about uh, ccm and what what we do they can go to ccm-ct.org uh, and uh, learn about our organization and the different types of activities and efforts we, we uh we're involved in that's good well thank you so much ron thomas well thank you i i hope i see you again <laughs> soon <laughs> you will harry i'm about to bounce up out of here pundits next right all right. So thank you all for listening today. I don't know who I'm talking to next week, but you know I talk to the most interesting people. So I'll talk to you soon. And uh, tune in. Stay tuned for Pundits in about 15 minutes. Thank you. Lie, 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 lie.